28th, 2019, another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, folks, and really fun episode. I'm learning more and more with the the technical stuff as I am figuring it out with the guests and recording the interviews and editing the interviews and trying to get the sound quality as best as possible. So bear with me a little bit on some of these first few, but I promise everything will be... 100% 100% pro in no time You know it is, just a little trial and error Trying to figure everything out Two interviews today, really fun ones First up, Craig Milkowski. Normally we know Craig Milkowski From Timeform US As a horse racing expert But today we talked all about Wimbledon It was a really fun conversation We talked about both the men's and the women's side Also had an interview With a good friend of mine, Art Alvarado We talked about the Women's World Cup They just defeated France The US Women's National Team And we talked about how they played um, Recapped the game, moving forward What are their chances like We also talked a little bit about the the Gold Cup And then the soccer movies now Down to the Elite 8 of Best Soccer Movies Art gave some of his thoughts on those I'm going to talk a little horse racing At the very end of the episode With the Queen's Plate Big weekend up at Woodbine on Saturday So we're going to go through the Races for the 29th June the 29th at Woodbine I'm I'm not going to go The full deep dive where we go through Every horse and every race But I like Five races Where I have a strong opinion on a horse to play So I'm going to go through those I'll give you the horses in each of the races that I like And right now We'll start out with some On This Day June the 28th, in 1776, the final draft of the Declaration of Independence was submitted to the Continental Congress, was signed just a few days later. 1870, Congress creates federal holidays, New Year's Day, Independence Day, Thanksgiving, and Christmas in the mix. We skip all the way to 1992, the U.S. Dream Team beat Cuba in an exhibition game. I saw two conflicting scores 133 to 57 or 136 to 57 I guess it doesn't really matter Nonetheless, this was the, the dream team That was made up of Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, Carl Malone John Stockton, Clyde Drexler, David Robinson Patrick Ewing, Scottie Pippen Christian Laettler, and Chris Mullen Perhaps the Best Compiling of talent Onto a team, onto a court ever There were fun, so many fun rumors about the US Dream Team Or stories, maybe not even rumors Actual stories about how they lost In A scrimmage To some of the college players When they were getting ready For uh, for their run 2003 Pirates of the Caribbean Curse the Black Pearl Premieres 2007, Craig Biggio gets his 3,000th hit Going 5 for 5 what a way to get your uh, your your three thousandth hit on a day when you go five for five, and in two thousand twelve, the Pelicans selected Anthony Davis first overall. That is the perfect tangent to lead us right into some of the NBA free agency rumors. Free agency is coming in just a few days. Now, in the last couple weeks, the Lakers have traded for Anthony Davis. So right now, the Lakers' current roster is consisted of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, and their second-round draft pick, Horton Tucker. They have four players on their roster right now. And they have created 
$32 million in cap space What that means is They can go out and sign one Max free agent if they want Or they can use that money And spread it all around So I'm a Lakers fan It's been very negative They've done a lot of things wrong over the last Six years, seven years But I really have to give credit right now To Rob Palinka. First of all He was able to get the deal done Even after everything happened in the regular season When it looked like the Lakers and Pelicans Were never going to be able to come to, to terms The owner of the Pelicans said She would never trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers Over her dead body I believe was a quote Magic torpedoes the Lakers He goes on TV He basically Just throws Palinka And the whole organization under the bus I don't know if Magic was right or not Maybe he was But that didn't help Palinka. And he was still able to make this trade for Davis And Open up enough cap space to get a third star If possible Really got to give credit to Anthony Davis And LeBron too Anthony Davis had to rate, um, had to waive a 4 million dollar Trade kicker in order to open up The max cap space And LeBron Was able to kind of Finagle things they're going to pay Anthony Davis Extra money for Space Jam That he's going to star in and LeBron gave Anthony Davis number 23 he gave him his jersey LeBron's going to go back to number 6 I like whether or not LeBron was the best teammate last year to the young kids This is a good sign and a good message And this shows him being a good teammate So what do you do if you're the Lakers? Do you go for the Big Macs or do you spread the money around and spend it? If you're talking about the Big Macs free agents It's going to be one of Kawhi, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, or D'Angelo Russell I personally Of those Would really only like uh, Kawhi If you're going to spend the max money on someone Or close to the max money I think it's Kawhi And if Kawhi doesn't want to come And he stays in Toronto Or he goes with the Clippers Then I think the best case for the Lakers Would be to take that money And spread it around To get three or four or five Solid players Who are going to help fill out your roster I don't think you need to go Just spend all that money on Jimmy Butler I don't think you need to go spend it all on Kyrie Or D'Angelo Maybe D'Angelo takes 20 million And you can use the 12 on a couple others Maybe, maybe But I would prefer For the Lakers To look at combinations Of all of these free agents That I'm going to name after All of these players Are going to be free agents I think the Lakers can offer them I think I think all these players would be a good fit In some way, shape, or form on the Lakers Now remember, they're not going to have to play huge roles But they're going to be starters They're going to be f- not going to be asked to score 25 points a game But they're going to be asked to hit their open shots To play defense To just play smart Trevor Ariza uh, Bogdanovich um, Malcolm Brogdon Bullock Alex Caruso, Collison's, uh, Cousins, it'd have to be at the right price. Seth Curry, Dwayne Dedman, Dragic, Rudy Gay, Taj Gibson, Danny Green, probably going to stay in Toronto with if Kawhi stays there. Jeff Green, Devin Harris, Deon, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Patrick Beverly, Jeremy Lamb, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, Joe Kim Noah, Nerlens Noel, J, uh, JJ Redick, Austin Rivers, Derek Rose, Stauskas. All of those players at the right price. We've also heard. The Carmelo Anthony and J.R. Smith I wouldn't even mind them If they're the last guys on your bench Taking vet minimums That's fine I just don't You don't want to spend your money On players like that 
Any of those free agents that I named For the right price I'd love to see combinations of them Sounding like Kemba Walker Will be headed to Boston Those rumors have really picked up over the last few days So Kemba may be heading to Boston Perhaps Kawhi Or perhaps Kyrie And KD Going to either the Knicks Or the Nets together In just a few days we're going to find out everything Where Tobias Harris Is he going to get maxed somewhere Vuzovic for Orlando Orlando is trying to build an extension With Vuzovic It's something like 4 years, 90 million Free agency Beginning Sunday into Monday Things are going to get crazy One of the most stressful events in life Is moving Everything that goes into the process of relocating There are so many different factors that you have to worry about I know someone who can make your life easier And I'm very happy to introduce Cindy Carava as a new sponsor of That's What G Said Podcast If the name sounds familiar, Cindy is the wife of horse racing trainer Jack Carava Who's been a mainstay on the Southern California racing circuit for the last 30 years Cindy Carava is a full service realtor She can help you in many different ways Like selling, purchasing, and leasing She can help you find vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, and gardeners That she personally uses in her own home Also, if you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan Cindy can connect you to lenders that she works closely with And can highly recommend Covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley Parts of North San Diego County Del Mar, Solana Beach, and Rancho Santa Fe If you're just curious to see how much your home is worth She can even do a free market analysis of your home's value You can find Cindy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube Reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow Or Easiest way is CindyCarava.com You can find all of her contact information there I've known her personally for almost a decade She's one of the most honest and genuine people I've ever met Exactly the type of person you can trust with all of your real estate needs Get to CindyCarava.com right now Or if you have any questions at all You can email her CindyC.Realtor at gmail.com Com. Up next, I'm going to talk a little Wimbledon with Craig Milkowski. So here is a, an interview from just a little bit earlier with Craig Milkowski, Timeform US, talking men's, women's Wimbledon. And we give you some of the odds, some live long shots to play. Here it is. Okay, we're going to be talking a little tennis now on That's What G Said. I believe this is the first time we're breaking down some tennis, and I'm very happy to be talking with a good friend of mine. Generally, when I talk with Craig Milkowski, and most of you that heard him on the Mike Abadir show or on his own podcast or different TVG, even different places, we're talking about horse racing. But Craig, this time we're going to talk about one of your hobbies and a sport you left to play, and it's a huge week coming up because we're going to be talking about Wimbledon. So, very happy to introduce Craig Milkowski. Craig, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I can tell you now, my w- my wife wishes tennis were only a hobby with me. I probably <laughs> I probably play way too much to consider it a hobby. But since they don't pay me, I guess that's what they'll have to stick with. So, so give us a little bit of your of your background with tennis. Have you been playing your whole life, or how'd you get into it? No, I actually didn't start till till I went into my Air Force days. Probably played a little bit in my twenties. Uh, back in the Air Force, it was a little tougher to uh, find people to play with. And then when I was stationed in Belgium, there there were quite a few players there, and I got to play in more and more. 
And when I came back to the States, I just, my daughter was playing high school and her coach got me into playing some league tennis and it's taken off from there. I just kept playing and play all the time. I've gotten better and better. So it's getting tougher and tougher as I move up the ladder, but I still enjoy it. I enjoy a good match, whether I win or lose. And we will have lots of, of good tennis to watch coming up over the next few weeks because Wimbledon begins on Monday and we're recording this Friday at 11 o'clock or so Pacific time. And the draw had just come out just a few hours ago. So now we know what the field looks like. Uh, 128 on the men's and the women's side. It's really fun when you see a 128 bracket like that. We're, we're only used to seeing those 64 brackets for, uh, for March Madness. It's great when you can see a huge bracket. And this is of the big four, the only slam that's on the grass. And so, Craig, just from like uh, an overall tactical standpoint, I'm no tennis expert, but everything that I've seen in red and when I watched in the previous years, it seems like this is in particular the course where the big servers have a little bit more of an advantage. Yeah, the ball tends to skid more. It doesn't bounce as high. It gets through the court faster. Uh, They've counteracted that a little bit in years past. Uh, In recent years, they've changed the ball a bit. But it's still not, it's definitely different than hard court and different than clay. Uh, it used to be strictly a serve and volley place. If you didn't serve and volley, you couldn't win. And, and that's definitely changed. We've seen Nadal win a few times. We've seen Djokovic win plenty. Even Federer doesn't serve and volley all that much. Uh, but it's still still that kind of course where, where you, you want to get to the net when possible. Uh, and it's not really a ground strokers type court. And for those people out there who aren't paying attention to tennis as much, or maybe you just know the names of some of the the big players right now, the Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, who's making a return now, he'll probably be just playing in the doubles. In the last since two thousand three, when Federer won his first Grand Slam, there have been sixty four, and fifty three of them have been won by Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic. I mean, I didn't I didn't quite realize what a golden age we are in right now. These are the three in the modern era with the most Grand Slam titles. I mean, these are when we're talking about the all time greats. These have to be up on any short list. Right, Craig? Yeah, I think they're the three best players we've ever seen. I mean, just imagine if they weren't competing against each other. Yeah, yeah different eras. Years. Right. I mean, you know, we have guys like McEnroe, who I think won seven. You know, we have uh, Pete Sampras was considered the the king, and he dominated his era, winning 14, when probably his best competition was Andre Agassi. And, I mean, these guys, uh, you know, if they were playing in an era with only one or none, I mean, they'd easily be in the 20s. They're they're just phenomenal players. They play well on all surfaces. Of course, Nadal dominates on clay, but the others have, have had their successes at Roland Garros and and won some big clay ter- court tournaments. So these guys are just all around players, and to be doing it doing it at the ages they are is incredible. Mo- most guys are already finished by this time, um, you know, or, or reaching the tail end of their careers and thinking about retirement. Yeah, we got a guy like Federer, who's the second choice at Wimbledon at 37 years old. It's unheard of. He's won this tournament eight times so far. Yeah, the the last 16 of these have been won by Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, or Andy Murray. And they the top three are the overwhelming betting choices. So just when you when you see the way the 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 draw is now and the way the brackets are set up, from what I've read a little bit. Um, Nadal has had 
a, a somewhat of a rivalry with Kyrgios. It seems like everybody has a little bit of a rivalry with Kyrgios. He's very fiery, and that could lead to a kind of an early matchup and an interesting matchup for Nadal. Yeah, Nadal was one when I first saw the odds uh, when you sent them earlier in the week. I was like, oh, six to one. That that seems like a bit of a steal on him. I mean, he's clearly better on clay, but he's won this tournament. He certainly can play on grass. He can beat anyone in the world. But he really took the worst of it in the draw today. Uh, I don't have the whole draw in front of me. But, yeah, he could face Kyrgios in the second round. Who He's a bit of an enigma. You never know which one's going to show up. But his draw all the way through to the final, he got put in the same half with Federer. So, Djokovic wouldn't have to face but one of them where he would have to face both most likely, assuming we don't get an upset. So I think in the big three, he clearly took the worst of the draw. And you mentioned uh, Kyrgios, who's kind of, I guess, like a new age McEnroe. He's very colorful. He's he's very vibrant. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. I'm personally not a big fan of Kyrgios. Uh, he, he tends to tank way too many matches. He just gives it away. The guy has all the talent in the world. Uh, there's no reason he shouldn't be a top five player at all times. But he He's just very cute. His, yeah, he hasn't got his head on straight yet. He's still young, so it's possible. We saw this with Andre Agassi in his younger days. Uh, it took him a while to, to figure things out and put it together. So so maybe that will happen someday. I mean, he's always been supremely talented. I uh, I go to a lot of big, uh, a lot of OU tennis matches here in Oklahoma, and uh, his doubles partner as a junior was a guy Andrew Harris who played for OU, and they actually won Wimbledon in French doubles as a junior. So he he's always been really good. He hits incredible shots. I mean, he does things that most guys can't do, but he just has to get his head screwed on straight. I would never pick him in a major. I personally would be very surprised if he were to beat uh, Nadal here, but but not totally shocked. I mean, he he could do it. He has the talent, but he tends to wilt on the big stage. So when we're looking at the top three from just like a betting perspective, uh, you can get seven to five, probably eight to five on Djokovic, uh, Federer, you know, maybe in the three to one range or so. And then, as you just mentioned, Nadal, you can probably get six, maybe even a little higher now after the draw, because it looks like he has the tougher draw. So maybe around seven to one. And then the next tier are, and so help me when I butcher any of the uh, the names, Sitsipas, Sitsipas, uh, Zverev, and Team. And any of them, they seem like they're kind of the, the next tier, pretty consistent. Um, if it's not one of the big three, they seem like they're in the group of the next logicals. Any of them? What can you tell us about a couple of them? Uh, they're in the group. I think Team's a little better on clay. He's reached the French Open final a couple times. He he hasn't really shown the same level of play on grass. Uh, if I was going to lean to some guys in the second tier, I'd probably go with a little more experience. Maybe a guy like Kevin Anderson. Last year's finalist. Yeah, he's rounding back in the form. Uh, he kind of got the short end of it. He, he beat Federer in that long match and had to turn right around and play Djokovic. So he didn't have a whole lot of chance in that one. But he's a guy with just a huge serve. He's a big, tall guy, but he moves really well around the court. Uh, he's proven to like the grass where some of these others haven't. Uh, so he's one I would I would look to. Um, Dog uh, hello, hello, dogs, hello, dogs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that could always happen here as well. I guess. Yeah. They just want to get. A, they just want to be yeah. in the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Zverev's a guy who who 
seems to have all the talent in the world, but he's just not putting it together in the majors yet. So I'm kind of cold on him for now until he shows me he could get it done. Uh, if I was going to look for for some big prices, I might might take uh, Gregor Dimitrov, who's made the semis here before. He hasn't been in the greatest form, but he clearly plays his best on grass. Uh, but any of these guys are really reaching. It, it's almost assuredly going to be one of the top three. I mean, it's it's hard to believe, but we've been saying that for almost 20 years now, and nothing's changed. Uh, you know, unless we get some real upsets in here, it's one at least one of them is going to be in the final and will be the overwhelming favorite. Let's shift the focus over a little bit to the women's side. Now, the women's side, so much more wide open just from a betting standpoint. And just from when you look at the way the last couple of years have been in the Grand Slams, Craig, since Serena last won, there have been nine Grand Slam tournaments with eight different winners. So this really looks to be wide open. It does. The, the women's has been wide open for a while. But I think uh, if you really follow tennis, you've seen that Ash Barty has really kind of taken control uh, of the number one rankings. He just got it last week when, when she won Queen's Club in England, I believe it was. Uh, she won the French Open on a surface which she doesn't even like. It's probably not her best service uh, surface. But she just has all the tools to win at Wimbledon. She loves grass. She she serves well. She volleys very well. Uh, she she has the ground strokes. She actually took some time away from tennis. She got a little tired of the tour, uh, a little burnt out and homesick. And she actually became a professional cricket player, which uh, shows you just how athletic she is after having won some majors in doubles. And uh, she came back as just a much better singles player. Her backhand got better. Her her other tools were already there, which she developed as one of the best uh, doubles players in the world. And I think she's really a deserving favorite here. I think you can get as much as six to one on her from the, the sites I've seen. And she's definitely one I'd be interested in. Yeah. And so and that's that's something that that's great is that a lot of the times, and we see this in, in horse racing too, when people presume something to be wide open they end up spreading out a little bit and then you get more value on the favorites and sometimes the favorites are the 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 horses or in this case the 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 bet that you make and Barty might be the play I think uh, that if we're not going to look at Barty I mean we have to talk a little bit about Serena obviously she's not playing as much as she used to but you you can't ever really talk about a women's tournament that she's in without discussing her no i and i mean in full disclosure i we don't have sports betting here yet in oklahoma if we did i would be against serena uh she's she's good on grass i wouldn't say it's her best surface that's probably a hard court uh and she just hasn't looked the same to me since she came back uh i don't know if it's a fitness question but she's not moving as well uh, I mean, she's getting older. It happens to the best of us. I'm she won her first back in. She won her first tournament back in 1999. <laughs> right. Her first big one, you know. <laughs> right, and that's why I'm not trying to be too hard on her. I'm yeah. just, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan. I always root for the Americans, no matter what. Uh, so I'll certainly be rooting for her. But I just don't. I think it's going to be really tough for her to win another major. I'm hoping she can do it. Uh, you know, as an American and as a fan, but she just seems to have lost a step. She seems to have lost some consistency, and that usually comes with the footwork. So she's probably a bit of an underlay as a second choice. Uh, there's some other players out there playing well. I like Carolina Pliskova, who just dominated today at Eastbourne. Uh, she's going to move into the semifinal or into the final against Angelique Kerber, 
who's another one who's won some majors who probably has a shot in here. And that was uh, last year's winner, right? Uh, last year's uh, Wimbledon winner. Yeah, I believe she was now that you mention it. Yes. And she's won on other surfaces as well. She's not really your prototypical grass court player. Uh, she plays very good defense. She she doesn't have a very good serve at all. She doesn't get to the net much. But the women's game's a little bit different on grass. I mean, you can't overpower with the serve as we've seen with Serena. But there aren't a whole lot of big servers on, on the lady side of the tour. So you can get a winner like Kerber or um, – you know, Kvitova's won a few times. Uh, I, she's not one I'm I'm interested in here. She's kind of coming off an injur- injury, not really in good form. But uh, Osaka, who was the number one player in the world for a while, won a couple majors last year. She seems to be off form a bit. Uh, so that's why I'm kind of really high on Barty. I, I like the, the players that are playing well right now. Uh, so you got to look at the ones we mentioned. Barty, Kerber, uh, Kv- not Kvitova, I keep Pliskova. You get confused on you're, you're combining the two names, yeah. <laughs> right. Those those are probably the big guns right now. And when when we just look at the difference between the men's and the women's rankings, it really does show the difference in how top heavy the men's side is. I mean, you look at just from you know it's based on point system, and the difference from number one to number two on the men's side is like. 4,400 points, the difference between 1 and 25 on the women's side is that same, 4,500 points. So it just shows the dominance that we've seen from those top three on the men's side and and how the women's, it's it's become more wide open. And you're able to see someone like Ashley Barty who is just playing well right now and she's going to be one of the logical favorites in here because it's such a wide open group. If you're just playing well at, at the time, you have to be considered one of the top choices. Yeah, form is definitely a big thing in tennis. Uh, players, uh, much like, you know, we've talked about horses. Horses go in and out of form. It, it happens with these these men and women on the tour as well. I mean, it's a grind out there. Uh, you know, they try to limit their schedules, but there's there's a lot of events they have to play unless they're injured. And, uh, you know, it just beats you up after a while. The way the game's played nowadays with just long grinding rallies, not a lot of net plays. I mean, it takes a toll. The players are fitter than ever, but the game is really tough to play now. It's really hard on the body. So, you know, it's easy for these players to kind of have ups and downs. And I think you really need to follow that and see who who's coming in the form and who's kind of tailing off a little bit when, when you're looking at these fields. So we have uh, Barty going to be really tough on the women's side. And let's go back to the men's side one more time. So give me of the big three who you think's got the best shot, and then give me someone outside of the big three who could make some noise. Uh, I would say Djokovic probably has the best shot. He's the favorite. He, he got helped by the draw. Uh, tennis doesn't always do it where the one plays the four and the two plays the three. Uh, they kind of mix it up so people aren't playing the same people all the time. So you can get a one versus three and a two versus four, but that didn't happen here. So he got a little bit lucky in that case. And like I said, if I was looking outside, I, I'd Maybe give Kevin Anderson a shot. I've seen him as high as 50 and 60 sure, to sure. 1. Uh, he, he's a guy who definitely has the tools to win on this surface. And I guess if you want to look at another one, uh, Stan Vavrinka's won, won a bunch of, not a bunch of majors, but he's won as many as anybody else, I think. I think he has three, uh, so which during this era is quite an accomplishment. Uh, he's been playing pretty well lately, and I've seen him as high as 80 to 1. So Come if you on. want to take a shot on guys who, who have real good shots to get to the quarters, at least uh, there, there are a couple that I see. They'll give you a good run for your money. So 
Awesome, Craig. Well, we talked Wimbledon. Before I let you go, I want to get a couple of questions for, uh, from you and pick your brain on a couple other things. There, I know you're a big basketball fan, and it is crazy right now with NBA. The draft just happened, NBA free agency. You're an Oklahoma City fan. What, how is your team right now set up? What are some of the rumors with you? you? You guys don't have a lot of money to spend, but I hear you in some trade rumors. Yeah, the only ones I've really heard going around now are uh, try, talking about trading Steven Adams. Yeah. Uh, he's a big fan favorite here, but, uh, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, I think he's a good player. He's probably a bit overpaid. I think he's making $25 million a year. And in today's NBA, I mean, the guy just can't shoot. If it's not a layup or a dunk, it, it's it's very iffy to go in. He's a terrible free throw shooter. Uh, he's not particularly great on the perimeter where you got to do a lot of switching. So I personally wouldn't wouldn't lose any sleep if he got traded. I've I've heard maybe some some sign in trade with the Celtics for Al Horford. That that would be great for the sure. Thunder. Oh, yeah. uh, you know who knows what what can happen out there. I, I'm just like most fans. Just I, one thing I do know is Sam Presti's always trying to do something. He's not going to sit and be content with a team that's lost in the first round three years in a row. So I expect them to try to do something. I just don't know what it is. Uh, the the Thunder are a team that are really are a closed book. Uh, nobody ever seems to know who they're going to draft, who they're going to trade, who they're going to sign. It always seems to be a bit of a surprise. So and I you, never, you never feel that far away, which which it always feels like you're just maybe one move or one piece or one the right side of the bracket or an one team having an injury away from being right there. So, like you know, last year was such a such a tale of two seasons. For, for OKC I mean the beginning of the season when Paul George was, was playing like the MVP and literally like the best player in the league or one of the top two or three I, I thought Oklahoma City had as good a chance to beat Golden State as any and if that version of Oklahoma City had to play the banged up version of Golden State in the playoffs you never know what happens right and a big part of that was I mean we didn't know it during the season we knew he was uh, Paul George was dealing with some injuries but it turns out they were pretty serious. Yeah. He had some pretty serious injuries to, to both shoulders. Uh, he's already had a couple surgeries in the offseason, and he might not even be back in time for the, the start of the regular season. It should be shortly thereafter. But, you know, I think that really had an effect on the team. Uh, the Thunder don't have a lot of shooters. He was their only real one that they had. Him and uh, Jeremy Grant was was pretty decent. But once George got hurt, there was definitely a dip in play, and that was something the Thunder just couldn't withstand. And just one, uh, just kind of, I guess, thought. Let us know where we can find all of your stuff for horse racing, because I know for me, and as someone who's out here in Southern California, and just what everything has been happening in Santa Anita, it's, it's been not a very good start to the year as far as horse racing is concerned. Kind of a lackluster Triple Crown, too. I'm very happy for the the calendar to be turning to Del Mar and Saratoga. And I think from a handicapping standpoint and a gambling standpoint, which you and I like to do, we should have many better opportunities coming up over the next few months. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been to Saratoga in a while. I've been taking trips to Del Mar each year. But uh, this year, the wife and I are heading to uh, Saratoga for the first time in probably four or five years. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you can find all my stuff. I, I make all the speed and pace figures for Timeform US. We're uh, owned by DRF, so you can find us at timeformus.com or uh, drf.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm Timeform US Figs, F I G S. Uh, pretty much everything I do, I'm going to tweet out there. I do a weekly podcast with uh, 
our Time Form US analyst, David Aragona, who's also the uh, line maker, morning line uh, for the Naira circuit. Uh, he's also a great Twitter follower if you're into horse racing. Uh, he's a, a very good handicapper. I don't say that because he, he's a co-worker. He, he's sharp. Uh, he's actually a guy that I, not that I was the lone recommendation, but I recommended him uh, at one, once I started reading his analyst analysis of the big races and he just really a sharp guy and you can learn a lot second yeah. So yeah yeah that, yeah that's that's pretty much it if you follow me on twitter you, you'll find all my stuff uh the weekly podcast we do we sum up all the the week's biggest races from around the the country and even north america woodbine has a big week this week so we talk about that uh we we don't stick uh we don't deal with uh overseas racing very much because Neither one of us follow it all that much unless horses ship over here. So we worry about it when they come here. Craig Milkowski, thank you so much, buddy. I always appreciate talking to you, and we'll have to uh, have you back on in a few weeks and talk some racing when the, the summer meets start up. Sounds great, Gino. Thanks for having me. I had a good time. Oh, me too, and I'll be watching all these, uh, all these matches with you. So we'll be, uh, we'll be going back and forth on Twitter and hope that some of these, uh, some of these selections come to fruition. I'm going to have to put a few bucks on uh, and play a little uh, fantasy also. So hopefully these come through. Thanks so much, Craig. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Gino. That's Craig Milkowski. We're going to shift the focus in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. That's what G said. Big thank you to Craig Milkowski for that discussion on Wimbledon. I I'm, love having this show because it gives me the opportunity to really – Get into all the different sports You've noticed I've started talking a little more boxing recently Oh, And coming up next We're going to have a, an interview About the Women's World Cup and about soccer And it was my friend Art Alvarado, good friend of mine I've grown up with Art and known him for quite some time And we talk with Art uh, About the Women's World Cup Talk a little bit about the Gold Cup And then we get through the Men's Elite 8 Of Best Soccer movie. So listen in. Let me know what you think of this interview with Art Alvarado. How you doing? Just chilling, just chilling. Hanging out with the the family today, watching the game, having a nice little day off. But so, uh, don't forget to mention that we lived down the street from each other for years and years and years, and never even knew about it. Blocks blocks away in Temple City, and then we finally met each other when we started working uh, together at Islands. So. Art, tell us a little bit about your soccer history. Tell us about some of the teams you played for, you grew up, where you played, and what you've been doing since. Uh, Grew up playing uh, in the streets with cousins, friends, uh, for the longest time. And then I think probably around uh, middle school, I started to play AYSO. And it just kind of took off from there. High school, soccer was uh, a main focus of mine, playing for Temple City. Uh, after that, all the guys were going to college teams, so I decided to give it a whirl. I wasn't in the best of shape, but that kind of whipped me into shape. And from there, I think soccer just kind of took over my whole life uh, <laughs> in a good way. Uh, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, I spent out the field uh, throughout the week. I would try to head out to the high school, do some laps, juggles, kicking around. Uh, but after I got back playing into college, I got hurt. And from there, I think that's when we hooked up because uh, we were already working at Islands at the same time. And then you had just asked me, like, hey, I need somebody to come train my goalkeepers. And from there, it just I think that's where my whole soccer career started, you know, coaching AYSO with you and uh, and Nick and a couple other guys. Some yeah, fun and times. We, 
Then we went over to FC Golden State for a little while. And then from there, you've had a, a bunch of different pl- coaching jobs and in, in places that you've trained for. Where are some of the other places and clubs that you've uh, you've worked for since? Well, uh, after Golden State, uh, moved on to SGV Surf. Uh, now I'm actually at a club called Los Angeles Elite FC, which is we're doing really good things. You know, we have some really good teams, some really good players. Uh, players that I definitely feel that can move on to the next level. So we're definitely competing with the upper echelons of club soccer, youth soccer, uh, developmental academies. Uh, right now, I'm not coaching a team. I'm mainly working with just the goalkeepers, which is, you know, it started there and now it's, you know, come full circle again and working with that club, uh, which we do have a summer camp coming up uh, in July. Give us a check out on uh, Instagram, uh, Los Angeles Elite FC. All the info is on there. Uh, we're also doing uh, a couple of the clinics, Friday night clinics. So if you guys are interested, hit us up on that. Uh, you can also hit me up on my Instagram, at Casey Goalkeeping, which uh, I think is another catalyst. In all ages, right? Like, I mean, we, we, coached, we, we coached boys that were 10 and under at the beginning, 12 and under. And then we coached with the 12 and under team that went all the way up and into high school. And you train all ages, all it's oh, all yeah. level of skill from the very beginner. If you just want to try it out and see if you like it to all the way up, if you're, you know, training to get into college or, or training big time. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes it so fun. You have like a different set of group of goalkeepers, all hungry goalkeepers that want to work and uh, that want to get better. And, you know, depending on where they're at in their career or their life that they want to work on getting into a club team, getting into a high school varsity team, getting into a college team or with a couple of my guys that are currently uh, coaching that I'm currently coaching at Pasadena city college are trying to make it to the next level as a pro soccer player. So any way I can help, you know, a child fulfill their dreams, a young adult, you know, even the the occasional men and women that I train trying to get to that next level, you know, that's kind of why I'm, I'm doing it just to help that next group of players. Cause I never had that great amount of coaching, when I was playing, you know, high school season was the most, and I owe a lot to my high school coaches. You know, they really helped me uh, find that passion that I have for soccer. You know, I think up until then, I wasn't sure about what I wanted to do and uh, how I was going to make a living, you know, out of high school, out of college. And luckily, everything started, I guess, from coaching that first group of little leprechauns over in uh, Arcadia AYSO. Okay, let's uh, let's jump into really why you're here today. A couple big things on the national scale when we're talking about soccer. There's obviously the Women's World Cup going on right now. There's the Gold Cup. And the biggest, most important thing of all, it's Best Soccer Movies Week on That's What G Said Podcast. So we have to get yes. your uh, opinion on some of these soccer movies that are in the polls. Let's start with the women. We just watched the game. It just finished about an hour ago or so. And... Good start for the women. They played better, I think, right off the bat than they played in their last game. What was kind of your overall thoughts of the game? Final score was 2-1. The USA beats France. This was the other favored team, or the, the I guess the second choice and the, uh, the other strong choice to win the tournament. So now with France out, the U.S. looks like they are the heavy favorite to win it all. What were your overall thoughts, Art? Well, today's game was... Absolutely brilliant, you know, from a first half team 
uh, pretty much dominating going forward. And then in the second half, really having to weather the storm uh, to really earn that lead and then earn the win. I thought players like Kristen Dunn did really well, or Crystal Dunn, I'm sorry, did really well. I thought Tobin Heath needed to get more involved in the game, but on the flip side, on the opposite side of the field, Megan Rapino was just absolute, you know, 100% U.S. national team, typical winger going forward, you know, creating chances, being strong, you know, another female Landon Donovan, if you will. I don't know. And she might be at that level. She she is, and I think passing it even. And before we discussed, um, because we were talking about recording last night, and I'm glad we didn't. And there were some technical difficulties. I'm horrible as I'm figuring all of this stuff out little by little. But uh, I'm glad we didn't because we were able to talk about this game now afterwards. And one of the things that you told me, and one thing that we've really seen are in particular in in this tournament is how much. The this women's U.S. team it can score off of a set piece, and how important set pieces are to this team. I mean, even just the the freak the PKs, you know, getting the two PKs to get through against Spain, but again today, getting things started off of a set piece. Definitely, you know, it was a, a bit different situation that I had planned. I originally thought they were probably going to get a set piece goal off a corner kick, but hey, Megan Rapino bangs in a ball in a dangerous area. A lot of bodies in the way. Speaking from a goalkeeper standpoint, it's difficult. You're wondering if you got to go for that. You know, bodies in the way. I'm not necessarily going to go for it, but is there a deflection? Is it going to ricochet to the near post? And then it just kind of fools everybody by megging two, three players and then going to the back of the net. So it was a tough one. But, uh, you know, the U.S. has other weapons. You saw that. They love to try and get in behind teams. They love to get a a good cross-off to an open player in the middle. Uh, I was worried that France was going to have maybe a situation where they get in behind Crystal Dunn or O'Hara and get a cutback cross. That was my main focus. I think if I was Coach Jill Ellis, I would have been telling him, like, hey, we can't let them get in behind us. If they do, we need to have, you know, uh, Julie Ertz come in behind us to create another back four when the outside back goes. It was... You know, they showed that they really have other tools that are going to help them win, not just offensive tools, but defensive tools as well. And again, Crystal Dunn, she's that UNC player. She's played for coach Anson Dorrance. He's very big on competitive natures and making sure that he gets the most competitive group of players in the in the college rankings. And Crystal Dunn, Tobin Heath, uh, Ashlyn Harris, uh, a couple other girls on the national team, they have that competitive edge, you know. I'm not going to say it's at all part to Anson Dorrance, but he definitely helps him with that competitive cauldron that he likes. You know, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was definitely interested in his uh, ability to coach and get the most out of players and get the most competitive nature out of players in terms of how he looks at his practices. Everything's marked down. Everything's in a list of and a total readout of, like, how successful you were on tr- certain things, you know. Uh, he's, I think he got it from the UNC coach at basketball and then he decided to soccerize it. And now Pete Carroll decided to change it around. So I think, uh, Anson Dorrance helping out the U S national team in other ways. Uh, you know, he's getting players to that level and that's kind of what I aspire to. I like reading his, uh, his books, his literature, and I'm trying to get players to that next level. Um, a lot of my players right now are playing in a UPSL team, a developmental academy team. So anytime I can help a player like that, you know, I'm trying to 
follow in the footsteps of these great coaches and former great players. So let's talk about moving forward now. One, the one thing that worries me a bit is that this game kind of had the feel like it was a final, right? To it, it oh, was yeah. when you're playing against a team like France on the home soil. You know, they're they're they've got so many people and the whole country behind them. You worry a little bit about a down, you know, like a, a downer the next game. Maybe you come out a little bit flat because you had such a big emotional win here. So who is the the U.S. set up to play next, and what do you think of their chances in that game moving forward? England, they're well coached. You know, Coach Phil Neville, a former Manchester United player, you know, he's got them working. He's got experience uh, even playing in or coaching in uh, La Liga. So he's got player experience. He's got coaching experience. He's worked with the national team on the men's side, now on the women's. I think it's going to be a good game. You know, England's going to try and hang on for the most part, but I don't see the U.S. having too much trouble with that English team. Okay, I'm sure David Beckham would uh, hope they do well, but I don't <laughs> see it going to. Uh, I don't see it going, you know, off the rails for the U.S. national team at any point. Okay, let's do uh, some quick hitters on a couple different topics. Give me a few thoughts on the uh, the U.S. in the Gold Cup. Uh, I hope they do it all. You know, I've I've been to a Gold Cup final, and I hope they reach it again. Uh, I think the group that they have and the philosophy that Craig Berhalter is trying to get into, he's very transparent with his tactics. Uh, he's gone on MLS soccer on YouTube and kind of explained certain situations, the visual cues of players. So I think there's a lot of good coaching going on in there. Um, I think his, his player pool, I think it's a little bit different than some coaches that we've had in the past. He's definitely looking at players that are still looking to make a name for themselves. Also, at the same time, fitting into his system that he wants. And uh, I just had this conversation with one of the guys I work with at uh, LA Galaxy. Uh, we were talking about the national team and what it needs and, um, you know, former national team players. And then we even got into talking about hockey, which is interesting. Talking about Herb Brooks and his philosophy when he picked that uh, Olympic team that made went until the gold medal against, or actually, I believe they've, played him in the earlier knockout rounds of Russia and they beat him and it was mainly players that were like college players didn't really make a name for themselves still trying to to get a contract with a professional team and you know he's uh, Greg Berhalter's brought in players like Nick Lima in place of players like DeAndre Edlin who have already made a name for themselves in the English Premier League playing for Newcastle and playing for uh, uh, Tottenham if I'm not mistaken and Nick Lima is only playing in San Jose Earthquakes. You know, he's come from uh, an unknown background and doing well. You know, that goal, that that assist that he had for Josie Altidore was just brilliant. Full speed, diving header to uh, an unmarked man in the box for a simple finish. You know, do I see DeAndre Yedlin diving for balls like that? You know, maybe not. Maybe he would, if I'm not missing, you know, if we watch him in a, another Gold Cup game or a World Cup qualifying game, but... I think Greg Berhalter is going to be a good coach. I remember watching him at the 2002 World Cup uh, when we were robbed of a PK against Germany in the quarterfinals. You know, Craig Berhalter trying to play a ball off a corner kick, and uh, I, I can't remember if it was Torsten Frings or somebody uh, with the handball on the line, which was, you know, just devastating to watch. I remember waking my parents Brutal. and my father up in the middle of the night trying to trying to get him to wake up to understand what just happened and what we missed out on. And 
we're out of the World Cup. We shouldn't have had a PK, you know. So I've been a fan of Burhalter ever since he was a player, and I think he's going to do well as a as a coach. And I hope that this is a month for or July is going to be a month for U.S. national teams because the women could win a World Cup and the men's can hopefully win a Gold Cup all in the same month. So hopefully we get soccer in America back on track to uh, competing in another World Cup for both the men's and the women's. Okay, well now I'm glad we uh, were on right at this moment because the polls that I just put up that I have put up, we started out with 32 soccer movies down to 16, and now we are down to eight. Art, so I'm gonna go through the elite eight with you. I'll tell you each movie that's one one at a time, and give me some uh, some thoughts on the movie. Or if you if you haven't seen it or you don't know a whole lot about it, you know you can just say that. But the first one, I know you've seen a lot. And I had to make sure to sell this one because it it was in a battle and a tight battle with Fever Pitch, but it came out on the uh, on the winning end. Green Street Hooligans moves on to the Elite Eight. This is a good one with Elijah, and it's all about uh, what what's the the club that that that, that they are. What, what's it all about? Explain it a little bit more. It is about uh, Elijah Wood, who's an American kid, follows baseball, follows the Red Sox, uh, gets into some trouble. Uh, that he's eventually, I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but yeah, he yeah. has to go to England for whatever reason uh, to live with, I believe, his sister. Yeah, his sister. And that uh, her current husband is a uh, former, I don't want to say leader of a firm, I should say. Uh, and a firm was like uh, a hooligan football fan club that just gets... A little riled up, I guess you could say, and the they go fans. around before. Exactly, they go around, you know, fighting for their club, literally, in the streets. They will find the other team, the other firm from whatever team they're playing, whether it be Manchester United or uh, Arsenal or even the smaller clubs like Millwall uh, is a big one in there. Shout you out see to a Millwall. Different side of Frodo. It's a different side of Frodo in this movie. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's pretty comical in the beginning when he when he's first figuring out how to fight, and then after that he gets all intense. And uh, it's a good movie. It's definitely they follow uh, West Ham United uh, out in England. They show a couple of Premiership games uh, in the movie, so it's kind of cool in that sense. But uh, the overall story of the movie kind of takes over from the the soccer aspect. But they're hardcore soccer hooligan fans. Uh, they, they, I, Elijah's a badass in the movie. I'm just gonna yeah. say that. If oh, I can say great. that, he is. Oh, you can. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, all right. So our next, uh, the next uh, one that's into the elite eight. This one, this one might win it all. Art just based on the the pure popularity and the mainstream. Uh, Bend it like Beckham defeated the big <laughs> green. Defeats the big green to move on into the elite eight. With Kira Knightley, just the Beckham in general. This is a pretty good movie. It's kind of that rags to riches story. Um, wh- what do you think about Beckham? Uh, I honestly, I think from experience and from the players that I've asked in the past, uh, like from my high school team, uh, I coach a girls' high school team uh, locally, and I think the majority of them would rather watch She's the Man than Bennett like Beckham. But okay. To- to go off of Bend It Like Beckham, uh, I watched it a couple times. I thought in the end of the movie, that was probably the most horrible uh, wall setup and goalkeeper attempt at a save in <laughs> the history of soccer. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, it was hilarious. But you know, she gets the goal. She goes to the celebration. I think the next best part is seeing the coach's face celebrate after that goal gets in. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's in that movie August Rush. If you've okay. seen that movie, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's uh, I don't know if he's Irish or Scottish, but uh, he's the coach that has the knee surgery. Uh, he can't play anymore, so he decides to coach, and he's coaching the women's team. He's got the offer to coach the men's team, and then he sticks with the women's team. Uh, it's a good movie if you're uh, Joe. You're is he Joe? Something John, like Jonathan that. Jonathan Rees Myers, Rees Myers. There you yeah, go. I think, I think that's him. Yeah, yeah. There okay, so, so so Beckham's in in the mix. I think this next one, um, The Damn United, very good. But love I that actually, movie. I actually love the book. We're gonna have a really fun matchup with Victory and bend it like Beckham because Victory got the win over the Damn United. This is a good Ooh. one and, and also a pretty popular one. Oh yeah, Sylvester Stallone plays in it. Uh, I think they had a couple of old school soccer stars, so that's another good movie. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's like the guy that's trying to like tackle people like it's American football. Uh, they end up kicking him off the team, then he gets back on the team by uh, the goalkeeper breaking his arm. Okay, let's go to the next one. The uh, mean Machine got the win over Home Team. So Mean Machine's on to the Elite Eight. Do you know Mean Machine? That's great to see Home Team and Mean Machine going at it. Mean Machine with Vinnie Jones and Jason Statham versus Steve Gutenberg and a group <laughs> of orphan soccer kids. That's awesome. Well, the Goot made it. <laughs> Gutenberg made it a couple times, but he got knocked out again because he was on the big green too, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? He's, he's he, got to have some soccer experience somewhere. There's got to be. Know, he's got to have played in college or high school. I got to Google that. Okay, That's on this, my Google list right there. This will, will likely be the one that makes the other side of the bracket. The um, Ladybugs gets the better of Maradona. <laughs> I think you know people love the comedy movies. This is another one that's a little like, mainstream. It's I funny. love Robert Robert uh, Rodney they, Dangerfield. They, I think he's hilarious. My dad was a huge fan of Rodney Dangerfield, and he, he just won awesome. with uh, with Caddyshack. So he's looking to go back to back. He won with golf movies last week. So it could be a big couple weeks. On that's what G said. Ladybugs is great. Check that one out. It's the same type of <laughs> of. Uh, premises she's the man and we see it in a lot in a lot of different movies it's like just one of the guys you know the old movie back in the day um and we just see it in so many different ways so guys you remember that one you remember that i heard a lot of different things are like no it's supposed to be a remake of ladybugs no it's supposed to be a remake of uh just one of the guys i was like you know what? it could go either way it could you know it could um okay so let's see we move on ladybugs gets the better of maradona now we are to okay Pele Pele goal it was that was a pretty close one Pele sixty goal forty we love goal we love all the goal trilogy but it's tough to uh, to knock a movie about the greatest footballer ever. Nicole uh, Now we're back. Um, um, she's let's uh let's talk. She's the man. She's the man is one of the favorites. You said of uh, some of the girls you coach. Oh yeah, they love watching that movie. Um. I want to say Channing Tatum, right? And, and I can't remember the other dancer dude's name. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. That the ending, the the ninja goalie scene where he does like the the backflip off the post is hilarious. Like I don't know if I would ever see a goalkeeper do that in a game. Maybe if he was doing a goal celebration where he scored, that'd be kind of cool. But uh, if your team scores and you're doing the goal celebration, you know, just keep it calm. You know, you don't got to do any kind of crazy backflips. 
But uh, it's a good movie. Definitely one to watch. Uh, I didn't realize Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum can bust a bicycle kick, but I guess so. And uh, we, we didn't, you know, um, She's All That isn't a soccer movie, but we do get some great Freddie Prince Jr. soccer scenes in She's All That. So we just had to give that one a, a shout out. But I think we have that a would... pretty, I think we have a pretty strong Elite Eight art because the final one in the last eight is Kicking and Screaming. No, I'm yes. not talking about semi-pro because I know you're going to go Rover, Coach, but I'm talking Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going Rover, Coach. Don't go Rover, Jackie Moon. But but uh, just a good one again. If you like Will Ferrell, you'll love this. He coaches. He gets kind of roped into coaching his son's soccer team, and they're terrible against his dad. Which against is awesome. his dad and uh, and Robert Duvall, who is just amazing and like the most hardcore coach. And he he ends up getting a couple ringers, the Italians, and uh, and he brings in a couple of Italians and the. The whole that's your game plan. The game plan is just get it to the Italians. So it's it's a fun one. And honestly, I'm glad what 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 I've had a lot of fun with going through these different sports is there's been a lot of people that have introduced me to a lot of good movies through the weeks. Through so far, we've had uh, oh yeah, basketball, good ones. Horse oh, racing, best. golf, uh, soccer, and hockey so far. And we're gonna go through more even going forward. So it's it's a lot of fun. And I appreciate you helping me out with uh, kind of formulating the list and giving me a lot of uh, a lot of your favorites. So we're down to eight. I want to remind everyone to get to Twitter where I post all the polls. It's me, Gino B. Follow me on Twitter, and then you can go vote. So I'm going to put the polls up in just a minute, and it'll be up for the next 24 hours to vote on the uh, the Elite Eight. It'll be She's the Man versus Kicking and Screaming, Pele versus Ladybugs, Green Street Hooligans versus Mean Machine, and Bend It Like Beckham versus Victory, a pretty strong elite Eight. Art Alvarado, my good friend I have to thank you, you did a great job uh, Before I let you go Remind everyone again if, Where they can find you online If anyone ever needs any help with uh, goalkeeping lessons Or you just want to pick someone's brain Who likes soccer and you have a question about um, One of your kids that you uh, They're thinking about goalkeeping Or they're looking for some sort of tr- uh, private training Or lessons, how do we find you? Yeah, best place to do it Is probably Casey Goalkeeping On Instagram uh, you can uh, put in your Aviato orders, which is my affiliate that I uh, work with. Uh, I help them sell gloves, training equipment. Um, if we were to do a, a giant bulk order, I can get you guys a discount. Otherwise, if you guys just want to order online at aviatosports.com, uh, my discount code is AA15, which should get you uh, 15% off on your orders. Uh, and then again, if you need lessons, coaching, uh, questions about the game, uh, any kind of work with uh, younger keepers, older keepers, uh, high school, it doesn't really matter the age. Uh, if they got gloves and they're willing to train or if they need gloves, uh, come on my way. Art Alvarado, thank you very much, buddy. Um, we will be back in just a second here on That's What G Said. A big thank you to Art there for the soccer discussion. Might have been a little, like, slight technical difficulty at the very beginning, and then at the a little bit at the end. That that was on me. I'm just, as I mentioned, I'm just working out some of the kinks with the uh, the microphones and and uh, the back and forth and the different channels. So I promise, folks, just a I promise, a little trial and error, but great information there from Art Alvarado. Closing things out with some Woodbine Saturday, it is the Queen's Plate 
on Saturday Woodbine, get your past performances out Let's talk a little June the 29th And let's get on to race number two I like the one in here, Inclusive If we go through Inclusive's career We will notice He has faced Sir Winston A couple times, we know Sir Winston, that's the Belmont winner He outfinished Inclusive outfinished Global Access Who will likely be favored in this race And Inclusive was the most recent winner Going long on the grass That's the race that I like He faced older horses last time out He saved ground on the inside He was three lengths off He was in the fourth, the fifth spot early He angled around three wide He went up to take the lead very easily It was a handy win And he beat older horses I like that If you look at his career You're really able to Make a couple legitimate excuses For some of the poor performances When he had trouble He's faced nice company And right now He's going to go second start off the bench It's just his second start at three He might have grown up and improved a little bit He didn't get a big figure In his three year old debut So I think he may be an okay price So anything over five to two I'm going to play inclusive In race number two Up at Woodbine Let's move on to race number three And I like the eight a little bit in here So yeah, motion again Back to back But Desert Isle Got to the lead She's actually a little bit quirky She's keen early But she has a lot of talent And if she can sit nicely from the outside Just off the pace I think she'll have a little more punch on the cutback Speed, she comes out of some productive races When you watch She just wants to go She wants to get up involved So I don't want to see her too far out of it And I'm hoping from the outside draw She can stay close I think there might be one or two others That are a little quicker early on than her You know you look at A couple of the inside horses that are coming out of some sprints And maybe Um Al Nala also So yeah just you know the few horses that are coming out of sprints Might be a little quicker early But I think Desert Isle can sit Has a little more punch Desert Isle anything over 5-1 to one Will play Desert Isle in race number 3 At Woodbine Let's get on to race number 6 That's the next uh, Next race I like It is the grade 2 King Edward Going a mile on the turf course Let's go to the 5 Mr. Ritz Mr. Ritz In his last couple starts Really you go through his entire career He comes over And the only poor race he runs in the US Is the first time in And it was off a long layoff Since then you're left with a string Of five really good races For Mr. Ritz I like the October 13th race When he was behind looking to strike he got off the rail to move three deep before Then he tucked back in He angled around He was just a little bit flat late Now he's going a mile and an eighth Now you're going to cut back That was also at the end of the year And we we didn't see him from October to May Came back in May Just got beat Last out He shot through from the inside to lead And it was such a wicked tough beat Just got nailed late And it was off the bench now with a slight cutback He doesn't need the lead But who in this race is going to get the lead Other than Mr. Ritz Who is quicker than him I don't see anyone Who's naturally quicker than him Maybe uh, One of these horses decide that 
their best opportunity is to show some speed, but he could naturally just get the lead. And if he gets the lead without being asked, he's going to be really tough to pass on the cutback. Anything over like seven to two, three to one, even. I think Mr. Ritz looks like a very, very logical contender. Synchrony, yes, he's tough. No knocks on Synchrony, but I like more of an up and coming. Horse in this spot, and that's Mr. Ritz who could get the tactical advantage. He might be right on the lead. Let's move along to race number nine. And the ninth race is the grade one Highlander. To be honest, though, I mean, on paper, it's really not a, a grade one looking field. N- none of the real big turf sprinters showed up in this spot, and really no big Euros that came over. Extravagant Kid is where I'll end up. And I think he belongs at around seven to two or so, and he's six to one. So if we can get anything over that seven to two, that's that's very fair. I, I only don't love him because of the rail. But the reason why I'm okay with playing him from the rail is that he's shown the ability to work out a trip from the rail just a few starts back on the dirt. And he has when you watch his race last time out, he actually kind of had to work out a trip from the rail. He broke right on top, then he took back slightly from the inside. He sat nicely, he waited. He had to take back a little bit, but it really wasn't much of a shuffle. And then he moved in between horses. It was very professional. He's that type of horse who has multiple gears. You can ask him, he can start and stop and go. And he has a great style. I think he'll get the jump on in any of the deep closers in here. And he, I wouldn't be shocked if from the inside he's right on the lead. I actually hope he's able to kind of track right behind, but he could be right on the lead. I mean, I wouldn't, with Yorked in from the outside, he's very quick. So, um, extravagant kid. Anything around seven to two on extravagant kid. Let's get to the Queen's plate, race number 10. I have zero knocks and nothing bad to say about AV's flatter. If you are playing any sort of exotics, exactas, trifectas, superfectas, um, pick fours, anything rolling at all, I would recommend to include the number 14 on all of your tickets, AV's flatter. But from a pure bet to win standpoint, can't bet AV's flatter in a big field like this to win. So the horse that I'm going to bet to win, if he is anything over seven to one is he's a macho man. He's a macho man. He's run three times and he's won two of them. Both of those victories were right here at Woodbine. You go back to his career debut and he was off a little slow. He was three deep at the back into the turn. He was like eighth, ninth, tenth. He was seven off. He gradually started to move up along the outside and picking horses off. When he was asked, he responded very well with a wide four, uh, a four wide move. Continued a nice wide sustained rally. That was just in a career debut. That's not easy for a horse to do first time out. You could tell right then he could run all day. Then on January the 18th, goes down to Gulfstream Park, has a tough start, and just never really gets involved in a race that. Has come back to be very, very tough. The winner of that race, Bourbon War, is grade two placed. The runner up, Cutting Humor, is a grade three winner. Award winner is an is a recent allowance winner. Everfast was in that race. He was second in the Preakness, grade one placed. And Baracho was in that race. He was third in the grade one Woody Stevens. 
So not only did he's a macho man have some trouble, but he hooked a really, really tough group, and it was on the dirt. Maybe he's just a little bit better on this surface up here. Most recently, on May the 20th, he sat fourth, fifth of five, is towards the back of the pack, but he was only about four or five lengths off. He was sitting comfortably. He loomed up three wide. He had he really did have to work for it, but it was a solid win. And it, it he seems like distance is not any problem. He looks like he can grind away all day long. His numbers and figures are a little light, so I'm thinking that he might not get bet down a whole ton in here. And maybe you do get double digits on him. I I he he looks more like an eight to one shot to me. Somewhere he should be somewhere between six and ten. So I want to take I don't want to take less than half. And if he goes up, then let's play him even more. He's a macho man. And we'll hook up the number eight, he's a macho man with the number fourteen. Avies flatter And those are the two that you can key in the exotics In that 10th race That's going to do it for this episode Of That's What G Said Big thank you again to Craig Milkowski A big thank you to Art Alvarado Make sure if you can folks Get on over to iTunes Leave a nice 5 star rating and review And let me know as different sports Different events come up If there's something that interests you Even if it's not the most mainstream if, if there's someone I can bring on for an interview Or some way that I can cover it Definitely uh, shoot me a message I love having a diverse show And talking about as many different topics as we can So thanks again Hope everyone has a very nice weekend Joey, take it away